comments, ideas, and opinions of the ESP podcast and ESP Tipcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the show's sponsors. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support us, please write a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or your portal of choice. And please consider making a donation at www.espanswers.com. Just click on the donate button. Production of the podcast is not cheap nor easy, and we really appreciate any support that you can provide. Thanks. Hello and welcome to ESP Tipcast 100 Lessons from the Lab on Faster Swimming. Hey folks, here we are. My first Tipcast of 2017 is my 100th Tipcast since starting this whole podcast thing nearly 10 years ago. However, rather than wax nostalgically, I'm going to dive right into this year uh, with a three-part series where two of them, I'm actually going to break down uh, what I've learned about swimming in the lab and how you can use it to get faster. And I'm also going to mix in there uh, some more stuff about periodization. Uh, But just a reminder, folks, that this podcast relies on the support of its listeners. Please help me deliver the best content by donating over at our website, www.com. ESPAnswers.com. You can also write a review on iTunes. Very, very helpful. Uh, But again, we rely on your support. uh, So please spread the word and support us. Thanks. Hey, so one month is already gone in 2017. And like many of you, I am looking for ways to get faster in the upcoming season. Now, for triathletes, this gets challenging because you have three sports to consider, and trying to make significant improvements in really more than one area often leaves the third at a real disadvantage. So over the next three tip gas, I'm going to cover what I've learned about getting faster in the swim, as well as whether or not periodization is really necessary or perhaps maybe even a a little detrimental to your progress. And then finally, I'll probably wrap up uh, a lot of this stuff and put some resources up on the website. Now, the genesis of this short series started last fall when I uh, was looking at getting a new wetsuit. And I eventually settled on the Xterra Vengeance, which mainly differed from most of the other suits because I had less neoprene in the upper torso, which again is going to reduce buoyancy. So I got to thinking, and then I got to reading, and then I got to asking questions about wetsuit designs. Long story short, that really morphed into an actual project that we're doing this spring with some of my students, and thanks in part to the support by Xterra Wetsuits. However, I'm going to shelve those thoughts about wetsuits until part three of the series, and I'm just going to talk about what I've learned about swimming in general and swimming faster. Now, in order to test our hypotheses, we devised a series of trials uh, testing two of the original four conditions that we had in each given session. So those included 
uh, just wearing a tri suit, okay, and that, that I'm going to call no suit. Uh, we had no suit plus a pole buoy, and then we had wetsuit one and wetsuit two. And the major differences there is that they just had uh, different buoyancies, and so uh, the one had a lot more buoyancy than the vengeance. Now, the way we do this in the lab is we'd want to account for any kind of ordering effects. Uh, so, so if you test one condition first and the other one second, um, or or vice versa, there there there's no real effect of the order. So each condition is going to be tested over two different sessions. All right, and then uh, let's say I'm testing no suit first, and then I test with a wetsuit. I'll also test with that wetsuit first, and then no suit. Uh, and then you you have a good way to kind of average those out and account for any fatigue differences. Now I'll post up all these details at a later date, but suffice it to say, I am being the guinea pig here for my students. Uh, and I've done all of the pilot testing thus far, and I've got a lot more sessions to go. But so far I have swam 10 sessions, and each session includes the following. A 300-yard warm-up, then we go 800 at approximately race pace or just below. Uh, we're trying not to swim all out in the sessions, first and foremost, because you get more more uh, 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 variations in swim times when you're kind of all out. Uh, and we want to kind of reduce fatigue so that we can, again, swim a second set. Now, the swim cadence is set using an audible metronome. And we kind of decided on the cadence beforehand. Now we swim that 800 meters, or sorry, that 800 yards. Uh, we rest for two minutes and then we swim in all out 100 max swim. Okay. Then we do 50 easy. We get out of the pool. We either take a rest or I get my wetsuit off or I put one on. Uh, and this takes about 10 minutes. So you get about a 10 minute rest. You get back in the pool, you swim 50 easy, and then you repeat the 800 you repeat the two-minute rest, and you repeat the 100. And then we just do a short cool down, and we call it a day. So all this adds up to about 2,400 yards. And uh, all the trials are separated by at least 48 hours uh, to allow time uh, to recover. Now, one other note here. Every trial includes the no-suit condition. So the times are always compared as the difference between uh, wearing no wetsuit or not using any buoy compared to the other conditions, either wetsuit or a buoy. Now, like I said earlier, I'm going to come back to the wetsuit stuff in part three, mainly because we've got a number uh, of more tests to do and we've got some number crunching. However, here was my biggest finding in my own swimming. I got a whole lot faster over four weeks. How much? Well, from... The time that I started testing, okay, so before we actually started the study, I had done several 800s, kind of get, get used to the pacing and figure out our cadence and the metronome and all that stuff. Since that time, I've shaved approximately 90 seconds off my 800 time. Uh, but if you go by my first trial, okay, the very first trial that we did that was official, uh, I shaved off about 47 seconds, which amounts to about 6% which is huge. Now, if we look at the 100-yard uh, all-out test, I saw nearly a 6% drop in time as well. So the question is why? 
Uh, I'm certain there are lots of swim coaches out there who will give me all the usual reasons like, oh, you're swimming more or you're pushing harder in training. Um, the swimming more thing doesn't really come into play because I actually swam quite a bit over winter break. Uh, I, I swim a lot of good workouts, a lot of hard workouts, and I did not see this kind of improvement. Um, you, you know, there there is the fact that, you know, maybe I'm pushing a little bit harder, but again, we're trying to keep that pace very consistent between trials. Um, and even though we've had some variability in times between trials, uh, when we average all my trials out, it actually comes out to be kind of the, the no-suit trials are no different from one another, and either wetsuit trials no different, so on and so forth. So here's my assessment. Uh, first and foremost, I had a drop in total stroke count per 800 despite maintaining the same stroke rate. The likely reason there uh, for strokes being lower is that the distance per stroke increased, i.e. my pull has become more effective. Either I've gotten stronger or I've gotten more efficient, uh, you know, whatever we want to consider efficiency as. This is actually supported by my second finding, okay? Uh, I had no change in total number of strokes during my 100. Uh, so in this case, my stroke rate was no longer controlled. I went as fast as I could, um, but I didn't really see any change in my maximum turnover, meaning uh, as I've done the trials, I haven't gotten faster in my cadence, but my time has dropped considerably. So if stroke rate stays the same again, then distance per, per stroke must be increased. Now, question is, uh, why did my pole get better? Okay, or in a sense, um, you, you know, why, why am I pulling stronger or harder? And, and, and that really is harder to break down. Clearly, doing any activity with concerted good technique, i.e. you're trying to swim well or you're trying to run well, it doesn't really matter, means that from a neuromuscular standpoint, you're getting more coordinated. That one is possible, but it's really hard to prove here. However, despite reducing my strength training, uh, time this last month, my pull-up performance in the gym has actually gotten better, which indicates that I've actually gotten stronger. Um, so it, at least part of that improvement has to be coming from strength, and my bet is that it's more of a neuromuscular or motor unit recruitment rather than the muscle actually getting physically more stronger. I'm just better able to turn those muscles on. Uh and then my, my pacing has also improved, okay? So when I look at my pacing data, and this is why um, it's so important to go back and look at your swim data as well, in the past, my variations per length of the pool have ha varied considerably. Uh, and, and I've looked at some, some of my data, and it's pretty bad. Um, now, in nearly every length that I swim, every 25 or 25-meter 25 length, my times are varying by plus or minus only about one second at most. Now, from an elite swimmer standpoint, that's probably not great. But for me, it's a vast improvement. It's a very clear improvement that I can identify. So more even pacing means that you're going to be, again, more efficient overall. You're going to be able to apply greater speed over a period of time. And then finally, while I'd hardly uh, you know, you know, tell you to go out and do this this type of training session as a staple for training, it does highlight uh, some important aspects, namely an extended race pace block followed by an all-out interval 
uh, might add some unique features to your training. So on some level, it helped to push my limits um, within training. Uh, and I also find that my mind wanders way less during those extended sets than, than I ever have. Um, so that in and of itself is good because in an open water swim, you really want to be focused. And, and if we look at the psychological research on uh, uh, performance, and, and I know we see this in runners, the runners who are better able to stay focused during the entire race, meaning their mind does not wander, they actually do perform better. So... The real question is, how do you apply this to your training? And I think it really depends. If you're already a pretty good swimmer, your pace is uh, 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 pretty well controlled in races, and you're consistently in the top 25%, then you probably have to look elsewhere for speed. But if you are like me, and you've struggled for years to make any meaningful progress, despite trying all the training tips out there, uh, maybe applying some of what I've learned in this research might be worth a try. So here are my tips. Uh, first and foremost, if you own a watch that can measure swim metrics, like say a Garmin, uh, a, a Garmin 910 XT, or you know a fitness swim watch or whatever, uh, look at your pool and your open water data. Okay, know where you're starting from. In particular, you want to look at. Uh, strokes, the number of strokes, not not stroke rate, uh, and, and I'll explain why in a second, but look at the number of strokes per distance, maybe 100, 400, so on and so forth. And then from your open, open water pacing, you definitely want to look at what is your, uh, your swim stroke rate. Because in open water, you're not doing any turns, so you're going to get a more or, or, or better idea of what that stroke rate is. Okay. Next, go out and buy a metronome and use it. Uh, I've had one for a couple of years, and I've used it on and off, but I, I really think that, that the way we designed the study to control pacing was a good thing, and I think that that has been part of the improvement for me is staying on a very regimented pace. Now, when I was deciding on where to set my tempo this winter, I looked at my typical race cadence, okay? And then I looked at where a cadence for, say, 1,500 meters would typically be, which is approximately 40, okay? Or if you double your arms, that's about 80 per minute. Uh, what I found is that the measured stroke rate is lower in the pool due to the turns, uh, but also that 40 was too high for me to keep up effectively. And so I decided to split the difference and I lowered it down to 38 or about 76 per minute. Okay. Uh, you've got to do longer sets too. Okay. So that's uh, tip number three is aim for 10 to 15 minute long sets at or just below race pace. And, and by race pace, I mean your, your, your triathlon race pace, you, you know, probably like 1,000, 1,200, 1,500 meters. It's got to be that race pace. You're not trying to blow out the engine here. You're not going all out, max out, uh, because you want to get in at least two of these blocks per session. Uh, you want to note the difference in times between each set, too. If you're 15, 20, or more seconds slower, you've got to either work on your pacing or you've got an endurance issue, okay? The longer sets also help you find your best rhythm, all right? Tip number four, adding a 50 or 100 meter maximal set after each long set also gives you not only a good power um, 
addition to the training, but it gives you another benchmark for fatigue, okay? The second 100 should be perhaps only a second, um, maybe a little over a second slower. And also, you should not see a big increase in your strokes per interval. So if you swim, say, a 100 and you do 40 uh, or 45 strokes in that one minute period of time, uh, the second one after the second 800 should not be like 50 or 55. It, it, it should be pretty consistent, uh, you, know, you know, maybe a couple higher. Now, initially, uh, I do this type of workout uh, twice weekly for two or three weeks to let any improvements kind of plateau and establish a good baseline. Again, I'm not trying to turn this into some new swimming threshold workout, but it's going to take you two or three weeks of doing this type of training in order for any improvements to, to plateau. Okay, you want to make, make sure that you bring your time down as much as you can, um, and then you can kind of go back to your usual workouts. Uh, so decreases in time are important. All right, but don't ignore those metrics too. You want to look at total strokes. Okay, if, if if your time doesn't come down a lot, okay, but your total strokes comes down, again that 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 would indicate that you are pulling harder. But realistically, if you're maintaining that cadence, okay, so your cadence isn't changing, uh, and you're pulling harder more effectively, your times will come down. And then finally, for heaven's sake, people, stop warming up so much in the water. And this isn't really related to, um, you know, this particular study, but uh, this tip comes from not just me, but a few good, really top coaches there. And just like cyclists and runners, swim workouts tend to be uh, just loaded down, bloated with just too much crappy time in the water. Okay, start preparing for your workouts out of the water with some foam rolling, dynamic stretching, then get in a few laps, maybe a total of six to eight minutes of time, and just get to your damn workout, okay? You'll not only move better, but you're going to save more time for quality training, okay? If you want to get better, the training should be quality. Even if it's not max intensity, uh, you, you should be able to do quality training in the water with good technique. The same goes for cool down. Okay, if you've got 10 minutes to fit in cool down time, then get out of the pool and actually do some uh, more resistant training, particularly for your posterior upper body in your core, which is really going to help to power your swim. Hey, folks, I know that was a little bit long for TipCast, but that is TipCast number 100, so you deserve it. Uh, if you'd like to uh, learn more about this topic or others, head on over to www.es answers.com or if you try these tips please email me at esppodcast at gmail.com i want to know what you find i want to know if it works for you uh if the findings are similar would love to hear from you uh and don't forget to stop on over to the website later on i will be posting up some supplemental material on this uh and on tipcast 101 I'm going to shift back over to periodization and talk about why eh, maybe it's not so important. I don't know. We'll see. Until then, if you're not thinking ahead, you're falling behind. Later. <laughs>